Welcome, I'm Nadi Ujama, Labour NEC member and Arise Festival supporter, and I'm pleased to be part of this event, bringing people together to look at how we respond to the Tory sharp turn to the right in economic policy in the Chancellor's statement today during the cost of living crisis and also this period of deepening resistance to the Tory offensive. I'm pleased to say that well over 500 people have registered in advance of this event and thousands more will be joining us on social media. As well as protesting the Tories, it's also vital we understand their agenda and put forward real policy responses to it. Millions need no less. This event could not come at a more important time after the carnival of reaction to the race to the bottom that was the summer's uh, Tory leadership campaign and before the Labour and Tory party conferences. And of course, it was also a summer of inaction from Boris Johnson as millions suffered with rising bills and falling wages. The Tories have used this pandemic to further restructure the economy in the interest of the super rich whilst attacking our right to resist and now even a bigger class war from the ruling elite against the overwhelming majority of us has been laid bare in today's mini budget. Now they are doubling down on an extreme Thatcherite agenda based on false promises of trickle down economics and further neoliberal attacks on working class people and our living standards. We need to look not only at what today's statement and other key policies that have been announced this week, but also, of course, what can be done to resist it and what are the policy alternatives that will put people first. As the session goes on, please post questions in the comments below the stream on YouTube and in the Q&A section on Zoom, and we will try to put some to our panel as we go. Please also tell us where you are tuning in from, what actions you're involved in in your area and union, and what key policies you believe should be part of the left's alternative. Please also donate the link provided um, so Arise can continue hosting these important events and please support the other campaigns and links that we pop in the chat throughout the evening, including sharing this stream of this event on your Twitter and Facebook so that even more people can tune in. Our speakers for this vital discussion will contribute for up to nine minutes each and we will move to questions at the end. I'm delighted now to introduce our first speaker, John Trickett, MP. Over to you, John. Nadia, thanks very much indeed, and uh, may I pay tribute to you uh, for the work you do for the left on the NEC and elsewhere, and thanks also to Arise for moving so quickly on this very important event. Well, look, it seems to me that in the course of a, a nation's life, there are certain moments which we can see a turning point where the wheel of history itself appears to turn. Today, or the moment we're now living in, is one of those moments. It isn't yet clear which way the wheel of history will turn, and it's up to us to obviously make a difference, but what is clear, uh, if it wasn't before, though, I think it probably was, it, th is that this is probably the most deeply ideologically right-wing, market-fundamentalist, trickle-down government that we've seen in our lifetimes. They want to take us back to the 20s. And they are, today's statement, gambles everything. 
on the idea, which will fail, by the way, that the private sector on its own, if the state stands away, will bring growth and prosperity to the whole country. It won't. I'm quite clear about that. But for those who haven't yet seen all the detail, let me just quickly just remind um, friends and comrades on this uh, important discussion what was said. First of all, as was predicted during the so-called days of mourning for the Queen, that they would lift the cap on the bankers' bonuses, the very people whose greed led to the crash in 2007, 2008. They announced that they would cut corporation tax from 25%, which is intended to be down to 19%. They announced that they will cut the tax paid on dividends paid to shareholders. Again, this was meant to rise by 1.5%. It won't now go ahead. And wickedly, though everything about it is wicked, I suppose, they're abolishing the top rate of tax. Now, most people on this call probably won't be aware of this particularly, for the people, uh, the top 629,000 people on the greatest amount of income, they pay 45% uh, um, ta tax rate on marginal income. And that's people on over 150,000 a year. Each one of those wealthy people will gain 10,000 pounds roughly per person by what was announced this morning. That's not my figure, it's from the Times. And then they're gonna create so-called tax-free in investment zones in many areas through the country. These are going to be mini tax havens where capital, the power of capital and business, trumps the demands of democracy in terms of planning and other issues too. And then they're going to deregulate the city of London as if that will do anything except leave the country more exposed to the whims of the finance sector than it already is. And the Tories made it quite clear by their silence that they're not going to stand alongside workers. And so the, uh, we'll come to trade union restrictions, which they've announced, which are draconian, by the way, in a few moments. We're going to see continued real-term cuts in wages, salaries, and in pensions and other people on benefits. They announced they're going to sanction the poorest people in our country on, on UC if they don't fill job search commitments. Well, we know what that means. It means cuts to the poorest in the country, many of whom are not working for very, very good personal human reasons. And then no announcement on additional investment to public services. What the Chancellor said was, in order to level up, we have to unleash the power of the private sector. Well, we know where that takes us. And of course, we have the cost of living crisis and all the other problems which are being created. Now, what's our analysis of, of, of what's happening? Why is there a cost of living so-called crisis? It's because so many sectors of the economy are now either controlled by monopolies or by cartels. Whether you look at energy, whether you look at the supermarket chains and all the other sectors of the economy, generally speaking, a handful of very large companies dominate that part of the economy. And what does that power give them if they're in a cartel or a monopoly? First of all, it gives them the power to increase prices unrestrained. And secondly, to drive down the wages and conditions of the people uh, that they employ. That's the power which is being used to create the crisis which is happening. What's it, why do they do it? It's because they have this 
a bloodlust, basically, for increased profits. The whole of the government policy was formed at 55 Duff, Tufton Street. I sometimes call it Dufton, Duffer Street. And, and, and on the playing fields of each. And they're out of step with public opinion. And that is why I think we're at a turning point. But alongside these storm clouds of Tory austerity, I think that there are rays of hope. Um, yesterday, the British Social Attitude Survey, which surveys 46,000 families, households across the country, discovered that 67, two thirds of all of us agree that ordinary working people are simply not getting a fair share of the nation's wealth. Over the last three years, that proportion increased by 10%. The British people are not falling for this Tory propaganda. Then, of course, <clears throat> there is a fight back. It's already started. Organised labour and the broader working class is on the move in a way which we haven't seen probably in two generations. And I, and I say this. We can win the battle ahead. We can turn the wheel of history because we are at one of those moments in our uh, nation's life, forwards rather than backwards towards the 1920s. But that the Tories understand this, and that's why the budget statement today was extremely menacing towards the trade union movement. And let me just say what they intend to do to the trade unions, because they can see the trade unions are the central pole of resistance now. They intend to say that in every sector of the economy, I think they said they started with transport, unions will have to maintain a minimal level of services, even during strike action, which means trains running and so on and so forth. You can imagine. And that secondly, they will require each union to have a fresh ballot every time an employer makes a new offer. Now, this opens a way to vexatious employers continually making small minor changes to the offers and then having to reballot in a way to attempt to, uh, to uh, bankrupt the unions. Look, everybody knows, I'm sure on this call, we are facing the most determined enemy, a Tory government working hand in hand with reactionary and greedy employers. We're in the fight of our lives, comrades, the fight of our lives. And I've been active for 50 years. Reminds me of the time leading up to the miners' strike. Now, we either give way to timidity and moderation in our ranks, which some in our ranks are advocating. You all know who I'm talking about. And then we get defeated because we're on our knees. Or we stand, face the enemy and fight. Now that we know, if we think about it for a second, the country cannot function if workers refuse to submit to the power of wealth to trust and to all her reactionary cabinet, many of whom come from extremely wealthy backgrounds. We can win this battle, but it takes and will take us, every one of us, in the most determined way possible to fight and win the argument of the battles to come. And thanks again for listening to me and asking me to, to speak today. Thank you very much. Brilliant contribution as ever, John. Thank you. I think you're absolutely right. We have to face the enemy and fight, and we are on the move, and that's why they're attacking um, the trade unions as well. So um, we've got over 500 people with us this evening. Um, I'm just going to bring in um, one of our volunteers, Ben, who's just going to talk a little bit about Arise. So, Ben, if you, the floor is yours if you want to take. There you go. Thanks, Nadia. 
Hi everyone, I'm Ben. I'm an activist supporting Arise and I'm here to highlight all the work that Arise is doing and the events it's got coming up over the next period in order to build the left in the party. Um, so, and, and uh, really I'm here to, to do a bit of a financial appeal as well. So just to highlight what we're doing, today's event is a quick fire response to arm up the movement with analysis of this conservative budget so we can go and take the arguments into our local parties, in you know, out onto the doorstep and into that pub conversation immediately to, to make sure people really know what's happened today and what's going to be happening over the next period. Uh, so this event has got real costs to advertise, uh, real costs to stream it. So if you can share £10 or £20, it means we can get in the habit of more of these quick response educational events after big announcements by the government so we can build that fight back. I also want to highlight our eyes is working uh, with the Labour Assembly against austerity to put on a fringe event at Labour Party conference this weekend. Uh, that event is in the conference centre. Uh, we've got to pay for the hire of the room and the audio equipment. Uh, so there's a lot of costs involved in that, um, but it's bringing the left together within the conference. And then in December, the key cost and the sort of major uh, organising event for us this year is bringing people together. It's the solidarity struggle and socialism in-person event. It's a festival of left ideas. It's in December. Uh, it'll be for the first time in a, in a few years for us now, we're going to be bringing together hundreds of people in the same venue to talk with John, to talk with uh, John McDonald, John Trickett, uh, Richard Bergen, but also others like Nadia Whittam, Sakina Sheikh from the London Assembly, uh, Hilary Shan from Momentum, and lots more people. So please put 10th of December in your diary. Please book your tickets to be there. Um, and your ticket will obviously cost some of the uh, cover some of the cost of the event. But if you can afford a, a donation tonight, uh, that helps ensure the event will be getting off the ground now. Um, so if you like our events, if you think they're bringing the right people together and helping your understanding, please keep coming. Please invite your friends and please, where you can, make a donation, whether that is £10 or £20 or, or whatever you can afford to keep them going. So thanks for that opportunity just to, to do that plug, Nadia. Thank you, Ben. Um, and it's so important, isn't it, that we have this space to share ideas um, and to show solidarity with what's happening. Um, so, yeah, if you can contribute, please do. Um, there's lots of information that's been posted in the chat, so do please look at that. OK, I'm going to move on to our next speaker. That is Louise Regan from the National Education Union. So, Louise, the floor is yours. Thanks, Nadia. And um Thank you to uh, you for organising this event. I think it's really important. Uh, we know how difficult the situation is at the moment for all of us. So um, I think, you know, John's covered some of the stuff, but, you know, it's quite clear from the Chancellor's statement today that, you know, the political choices this government, government make continue to be an attack on workers and an, an attack on our public services. You know, the billions on tax cuts for the wealthy, lifting the cap on bankers' bonuses. It's just an absolute disgrace when we know at the chalk face workers are struggling to meet their daily needs and meet the needs of the people that they are supporting. These measures are definitely not going to provide the economic growth we need, um, and it's unjustified to claim that real terms pay cuts for public sector workers are needed to keep inflation down. So we know inflation is increasing and it continues, to, it will continue to increase, I'm sure. Um, from our point of view as education workers, we know that it's had a massive impact. We've had a decade of pay cuts for our members. Teachers' salaries dropped 20% since 2010, 27% for support staff. And it is simply unsustainable to just to deny our members 
a fully funded above inflation pay rise, which is what this government wants to do and which is what our members deserve, because ultimately our members were out there during the pandemic teaching in schools, supporting those children of key workers and making sure that our education system was kept running. And many, many of our members lost their lives during that pandemic or have developed long COVID and have ongoing difficulties. And this government has completely disregarded that and what they did. Um, we also know that there's a huge retention and recruitment crisis in education. You know, 40% of teachers leave within 10 years of qualifying. The most cited reason is workload at the moment. There's a huge issue for education workers around the workload that they experience. But we are increasingly hearing members telling us they cannot afford to pay their bills. Their salaries are not keeping up with inflation and they cannot afford to do what they need to do. And we're continuing to see um, a, a massive problem with vacancies in schools and, and vacancies not being filled. This, this is a mess of the government's own making. Um, and school leaders, teachers and support staff are, are poised to take action, you know, across the board really now. I think all the unions are ready to defend their profession. Ballots are underway over the next month. And if supported, I think we will, it will lead to the largest strike ballots of teachers and support staff in England and Wales for a generation. And our demand will be for a fully funded pay rise. But aside from that, we've got nearly four million children currently living in poverty. <clears throat> and that is a devastating situation for our communities. And I think that will increase. I think that will increase exponentially if we do not do something about it. We have often talked about the choice between eating and heating. We often say this, people have to choose between eating and heating. I think for some of our families, they won't have a choice. They won't be able to afford either with the way this government is going. Food banks are already saying they're unable to cope with the demand on them. Uh, and we know that people who are using food banks are people who are in work. It's not people who don't work. It's people who are working but still can't afford to live and get through uh, on the money that they earn. Schools that we've got spiralling energy, energy bills. Budgets are already stretched to the limit. And we know that there is going to be a real crisis in school funding. It's very interesting that during the pandemic, I know it was internationally, but nearly 500 people became billionaires during the pandemic. I'm sure none of those 500 billionaires were front-facing workers who got us through that pandemic. I'm angry. I'm angry that working people and their families will bear the brunt of this. They'll bear the brunt of what this government is deciding. But actually, I'm also inspired. I'm inspired because I have not, I've been around a long time. I'm an older <laughs> trade unionist, but I haven't known this level of activism amongst trade unionists for a long time. And this is really important. We have a real opportunity here. There is a real fight back amongst ordinary workers who are fed up with this government and the disregard which, with which they have treated them. You know, we saw during the pandemic, people step up to the mark. We saw people going out and clapping. I didn't want to go out and clap people. Those people should be awarded. You know, they should be rewarded with pay, good conditions to live in for what they did. But that hasn't happened because this Tory government despises workers. And we have to remember that. But we've already seen several unions, RMT, TSA, CW, others, get through those really hard ballots 
that are expected of trade unions now. And John referred to the further attacks on trade unions, and we really have to fight back against that. Uh, we've already seen huge amounts of action, really well supported, really well supported by the public, because I think the public are fed up with how they are being treated. And we now have many other unions in the process of balloting members. We have to see this as a really important opportunity. We have to keep fighting. We need a massive autumn of discontent, a fight back against this incompetent, incompetent government and a call on them to pay people properly, to give people you know, good living conditions uh, and to ensure that workers are rewarded for the work that they do. And finally, I just want to say this. This government will try to scapegoat anybody. They will try to blame others. They will try to say it's this person's fault or that person's fault. And at the moment, the person that they are already attacking are refugees. We have to continue to speak out against their racist agenda, against the Rwanda plan, and say very clearly that refugees are welcome here in this country, that we should open the borders, we should allow safe passage, and that people should be welcome into our country for all that they bring to it and all that they give to us when they are here. I think it's a really important part of what we do uh, as the left uh, in this in this society. So I'm more than happy to take questions. It's really good to be here. Thank you, Nadia, for all you and all continue to do to fight back against this incompetent government. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Louise, and I think it's really important, isn't it, to remind people that the scapegoating will continue. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. It does feel that, um, and I think John touched on this, it feels like we're on the move. There is a movement at the moment, isn't there? People are prepared to say enough is enough. And I think that's really um, inspiring. So thank you so much for that and all the best with your with your ballot. Um, OK, so uh, we're moving on to our final speaker for the evening. Um, and then obviously then we'll move into some questions. So we now have John McDonnell, MP. Evening, John. Thanks, Nadia. Um... Thanks, uh, and also thanks for Arise for organising this. The, um, the, the, the Arise volunteers thought it would be really useful if we could get together as quickly as possible after the um, budget statement. It, effectively, it was a budget today, let's be straight about that. And they thought what we could do is get together quickly, have a bit of discussion about what the um, budget comprised, of course, and John's, John Trick has covered that really well, and Louise has as well. Um, but then also talk about how do we respond. And I noticed in the in the chat or the Q&As, um, a person called Carol mentioned that you get fed up of getting angry sometimes, you know, on the left, you feel outrage all the time at times. But you need to start translating that into what do we do? What sort of strategy do we have on the left? And I can understand that because you can get really frustrated at what witnessing what the Tories are doing. And, and to be honest, sitting in the House of Commons chamber opposite these people, you have no idea what the sense of frustration is because I think John's right and others have said it too. We're possibly facing the most right-wing um, Tory government that certainly in my lifetime that we've seen. And I actually do think they're more right-wing than Thatcher even. It's quite remarkable. There's, a, there's two things I think that we 
the left always has to do, but especially now, and it's always been our role, um, it's twofold. One is, one is to explain the situation, explain the world, explain what's happening. What? So our job is to raise consciousness so that people understand exactly what's been thrown at them and then also to what the alternative could be explaining why the Tories are doing this as, as well. So I don't underestimate the significance of that explanatory role that we've got, because otherwise people are just going to get their information from the mainstream media, which supports the, the Tories, which supports the current establishment. And the second role is exactly as we've been saying, is we just have to resist, and we resist <laughs> using every mechanism we can, both our trade unions and through our civil society organizations but i'll come on to that just on this expert issue of explanation i think we need to get across to people now john says that you know this critical turning point period i think it's a turning point period because of the dominance of neoliberalism being challenged over the last four or five years and, and breaking down there's a great quote from from gramsci where he was dealing with another period of a crisis in capitalism. And he says that the, the, the crisis consists because the old system, the old world is dying, and included in that the hegemony of the old world's ideas, but the new world and the new ideas, is the new system is struggling to be born. And during that period, it's a brilliant phrase, he says, what happens in that interregnum, a great variety of morbid symptoms appear. That's exactly what the Truss and Quatang administration is. It's a morbid symptom of the breakdown of neoliberalism before the emergence of the alternative. And the alternative that we advocate, I think is the only alternative that is realistic in dealing with the challenges we face as a society is socialism and i it's extraordinary really how what how the trust administration has come about because what we had in front of us in the house of commons today in the the tory front bench is possibly the last real believers um in neoliberalism and the reason that they're there is because basically that I think there's been a general acknowledgement of right the way across the mainstream discussion of economics that the, the neoliberal experiment over 40 years dominance failed. And that, that breakup of that hegemony of neoliberalism over thus four or five years has been one of the most significant factors in the political debates that we've been having in this recent period. But the, the <laughs> The only group that's left in our society that still adheres to the beliefs of neoliberalism, and that's what it is, it's not part of an economic science, it's, it's a belief system because there's no, it's got no evidential base of how it can succeed. The last group adhering to that, to be frank, is the membership of the Conservative Party. So when the, the calamities occurred to Johnson and he had to go, when that membership came together, these are the last believers in neoliberalism. So they, they elected Truss and Quartang and they appointed Shadow Cabinet, which again are, the, I think, almost the last advocates of neoliberalism standing virtually in the, on, in the globe. And what they've brought forward today 
is classic neoliberal trickle-down economics. We've been, you know, actually the Labour front bench responded by saying, accusing this of being trickle-down economics, and actually they were right. It was, it is trickle-down economics. It's standard practice stuff. What do you do? Cut tax taxes to the rich and corporations, and you try and persuade everyone that will trickle down. I think not many of us expected them to go as far as they did today with the 45% cut, you know, and it is true. Keep repeating it to people. What that means is millionaires will get about 40 to 50,000 bonus in their taxes. More than more than nurses, teachers and others earn in a year. We've got to explain that to people. So they did their standard cut in, in, in the income tax for the wealthy. They then went, exactly as I said, the corporations got a biggest bonus they've had in years, both not just in terms of holding back on into corporation tax rises and reducing corporation tax, but they're also bunging at them more tax reliefs as well. And the tax reliefs, to be honest, are almost a tax avoidance fiddle at the moment of the way it's operated on, on the toys themselves. It was huge what they gave away, £50 billion worth of tax cuts to the wealthy and the corporations. But the other thing we need to explain to people as well, part of neoliberalism is deregulation. And if you remember when Thatcher is the prime advocate of neoliberalism in the 1980s, one of the big actions she took was introduce the Big Bang in the city of London, deregulating the city finance houses that eventually led to the big the banking crash in 2008. What they did is they turned the city and the finance sector in this country into effectively a, a casino. And actually the bankers bonuses created a culture of risk taking and gambling, not with their money, but with our money through our pension funds and other investments. And that created an unsustainable financial system, which eventually broke down in 2008. What was in the <laughs> the budget today, linked to a piece of legislation they're putting through Palm, is Big Bang 2. And they said it proudly. We're going to deregulate the city because that will enable us to attract more money into the country and that will then be invested. No, it won't. It will simply mean the gambling starts all over again. And the gambling will be with our money, largely our pension fund monies, or also the money that we create, the finance that we create as a result of our work through the companies that employ us. So what we've seen alongside the cuts in taxes to the wealthy is this big bang approach of deregulation, which I think is possibly more dangerous than the, than the tax cuts. It all accumulated. What was extraordinary, I, I sat in the commons and I had my phone and I was looking at what was happening in the markets. What was extraordinary, the pound is dropping like a stone. And then alongside that, it's interesting, the markets now are taken fright at just how extreme this government is. It's going to be hilarious, isn't it, when the international finances will sit back on the evening and think, I wish we'd had John McDonald as our chancellor because it wouldn't have been as risky as this lot. And it's just bizarre that the mess they've got themselves into. Our economy, um, the, governor, the former governor of Bank of England said, actually, we, re we rely upon, because of our balance of payments issue, and our current account deficits. We rely upon the kindness of strangers. In other words, people investing in this country to bail us out to a certain extent. That kindness of strangers was being withdrawn rapidly at the moment because they don't, even they do not trust the Tories to be able to manage the economy. So the situation we're in, and it is classic, what they'll do is even though they're 
using borrowing to introduce an energy cap, that will be a temporary. What they'll then do is resort back to austerity. We're already seeing, okay, but alongside austerity, how else do they operate under neoliberalism to maximize their ability to profit and maximize their ability to cut taxes? They cut wages. And that's the, as John Trick and Lisa said, it's the attack on trade union rights that's fundamental to the budget today that we need to explain to people. But there's so much to be talked about in this budget, but I'll, I'll, I'll just go on to the, the factors of what do we do? We resist. So we explain the world, but alongside explaining it, that helps motivate people then to resist. And the way that we resist is it, one, trade unions. We have to ensure that we support the trade unions that are taking industrial action on every occasion to protect their workers' living standards and to actually also to protect the services they provide. We've got Unite CWU, RMT, as left here, so say in struggles at the moment. We've now got UCU, FBU, PCS, NEU, even the RCN. And can I give a plug also to Barnett Unison as well, that's wanting to campaign for a strike action as a result of victimization of workers up there as well. We're seeing this massive wave of resistance. What's our job? Every time we see that resistance, we join it. We join the picket line, we become advocates for it, we become supporters of it. And in our own trade unions as well, we support action taking place. That's the first thing. The second the role is as in civil society organizations, we, what we may do is two things as always. First of all, we always use, uh, support mutual aid. So we support one another, whether it be food banks, whether it be collections, whether it be support, advice, assistance, representation, all that mutual aid work needs to go on a pace. And it should be coming more, I think, more directly from our movement overall. And the second element of a civil, civil society is when those campaigns are launched, whether it's about people not paying them, whether it's not about campaigning against evictions or whatever, we support those forms of direct action. And let me give a plug as well to DPAC, Disabled People Against the Cuts, because what they're saying quite clearly and rightly, it will always be the disabled that get it hardest and therefore then they're willing to mobilize resistance again. So our job is to make sure we're supporting that resistance wherever it takes place. And also if we identify groups of people which have a common interest of resisting, we've performed the role of bringing those together. But eventually also that has to produce the third arm of that civil society, that resistance, which is about electoral politics. And to be frank, we think, you know, some people think that we can just walk into government next time. Labour can win the next election by default against the Tories. No, we can't. We have to demonstrate that there's an alternative. So part of the battle for the future is also making sure within the Labour Party, we're arguing for the alternative policies that are needed to address the crisis that we're facing at the moment. And I, as I said before, there's, there's no alternative to neoliberalism other than socialism that's effective. So again, part of that political struggle is through the Labour Party and other political forms of organisation to make sure we advocate that political programme. Final point from me, I've never been more optimistic, never. Uh, all through the struggles over the last 50 years that I've been involved in, I tell you, this scale of anger, the scale of mobilisation, but also more importantly, the determination for people to secure change now is vibrant, active, you can feel it. And that's why I think we've got to go into this determined, of course, know what we're up against that is tough, but also optimistic that we can, we can, we can win and we can change the world. Thank you, John.
appreciate that and leaving on a positive there it's really important that we keep ourselves motivated through such challenging times you know um i can't help but think it's just it's class war um you know plain and simple isn't it um okay so we said we would ask some questions so i've got a number of questions um just for everybody on the chat um in the session, sorry, um, John Trickett has had to leave. So we have um, obviously Louise and John still with us. Um, so um, please panel feel, um, you know, if you feel comfortable answering the questions, please do. Um, but I'll put the first one to you, to you both. Um, so Kieran on Zoom has said, um, could we bring in a wealth tax at 50% of all wealth that would generate um, 3 trillion? Um, he feels that that could pay off the national debts and um, we could use that money to um, save on interest payments to um, revolutionise the benefit system for the poor whilst using the tax receipts for many other things. What's your view on that? If you look at the Wealth Commission, um, that I'm trying to get it up on my thing now. Uh, the Wealth Commission report of 18 months ago um, it's a really detailed, uh, Aaron Advani uh, and, and his team produced it, and they put forward options on um, either a one-off wealth tax or an ongoing tax on wealth. And the range, the range was quite, was significant um, just for this country alone. Uh, and Richard Bergen then took that work forward and put down and held a number of debates in Parliament and put down various motions, etc. Um, I, I, I genuinely think actually administratively, um, it is now readily available to us, and it's something that we should try to encourage a debate across our movement now to insert some form of commitment to, in the next uh, Labour Party manifesto. And if people and if people are anxious about that in the party, on the right of the party, if they're anxious about that, um, again, we should try and at least engage them in the debate and say, within the Labour Party manifesto, if you're anxious about it, at least secure a commitment to bringing forward options on what can be done. But that work has, has been done. The other element of, uh, of the wealth tax as well, two other elements really, which we need to deal with is one, um, I'm an advocate of land value taxation, uh, and again, on the way to a wealth tax, a more broader wealth tax, this is something I think that could be readily introduced. And the other one, some of you remember in the last couple of manifestos, we put forward a financial transaction tax, a, a levy on the speculators of the City of, of London. And again, um, the detailed work that was done actually by um, a number of comrades who had experience of operating within the city and one of our financial advisors uh, from the city as well demonstrated that again that it, it was we not just we were capable of doing it but actually it was readily accessible as a, as a tax to enable enable us to raise funds that we could then ensure that we could we, we could fund our public services properly so i think yeah it's it's a, an issue whose time has come and the solutions now, they may not have been in the past, but they're on the shelf, just ready to take off. Thank you, John. 
Um, Helen on Zoom said that yesterday there was a report launched on the energy crisis, um, which is full of stats and evidence to make a watertight case for taking the energy sector into public hands. Do you think there could be a coming together of the labour movement in its entirety to get behind the call for nationalisation of energy? Um, the TUC has already called for it and Helen thinks we could win support around this. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to say something. I mean, I think the evidence is clear that nationalised services are more economically effective. There's no doubts about it. You know, we can see that uh, when the services are privatised, money is siphoned out of the public sector and that is not used effectively to support it. So, you know, uh, alongside the TUC, we're a member of the TUC as a union, we would support that call. I think we need to relook at we we had a whole uh, sort of period of time where people you know completely condemned public services, but you know public services work well if they're funded properly, if they're given the, the you know the ability to do what they need to do. And I think it is time for us to go back, you know, to argue for a system where we have public services that are centrally controlled, that we have, um, you know, that we know are funded effectively and that are there in the interests of the people as opposed to the people making money. Yeah, absolutely, Louise. Thank you for that. Um, there is one that's quite specific to you. The next question Um Louise, is what is the impact of the union legislation proposed today um, requiring the additional member balloting? What impact do you think that could have to your union and other unions? Well, I mean, the attempt is clear. The government wants to stop public sector workers taking action because what they know is public sector workers are effectively organised, they're unionised. And they can build uh, even against what is already quite restrictive legislation. So their attempt now is to shut all of that down. So, I, you know, I think at some point workers are going to say enough is enough. We're not, you know, I mean, in other countries where there is very, you know, much more restrictive legislation than we have here, actually, workers just walk out because if there comes a point when you say enough is enough, I can't. We can't continue with this, you know. So in America, education workers have walked out in a number of states where um, there is no right to strike, but education workers just walk out on mass. They build, organise, and they walk out on mass. Uh, and I think we have to take the government on about this. You know, workers have a right to strike to defend their services, to defend their pay, their conditions, and we have to really fight back against this proposal because. You know, it is a human right and we have a right to do that. So we, you know, we, along with all the other trade unions in the TUC, will be continuing to challenge that. Absolutely. I think it's so important, isn't it, that solidarity? Um, and as you said, it's a right, isn't it? We have those um, rights to, to, you know, to protect our um, terms and conditions. So I think... You know, there's a lot of solidarity across all of the unions at the moment. Um, so hopefully that will help. Um, and, you know, as we always say, if you're not in a union, join a union. Um, it's really important. 
Um, OK, so the last question, and if you want to sum up as you respond to this, um, this was on um, a Facebook message and it was just talking about Liz Truss's interview um, um, with, in New York this week and obviously um, showing really that her government is a Thatcher Tribute Act and who knew we could have a government that was worse than Thatcher's but we appear to have one. Um, they're not afraid to act for their class um, but what is our policy answers to their shift to talking about economic growth and trickle-down economics? What What is our answer as, as a movement and as a Labour Party? What's interesting, I th thought, was when um, she was in the States, Joe Biden put that tweet out himself, which is saying that he was sick and tired of people talking about um, trickle-down economics. And the reason he was sick and tired of it is because there's barely anyone now, apart from Truss and this Tory cabinet that we've got now, and possibly one other economist that has any support for it, there's no evidence that, that it worked whatsoever. And what we are alternative is quite simply socialist practice, which means that we ensure that we have a, a, a democratically controlled economy. And, that, and what does that entail? That basically means that at every level of our society, we have democratic control of our economy. That means democratic control at the level of the firm, the, 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 the company, the the public service and some of the ideas that we were putting forward about how we democratize that is the development of the cooperative movement on a massive scale, the use of um, trade union representatives on boards, so that we have, we have a clear democratic mandate to manage those companies on behalf of the workers that are employed. But in addition to that, obviously, we then move up, up the scale, we look, look at public ownership of basic means of production, and that includes making sure we bring back into public ownership all those utilities and services that have been privatised by the Tories themselves. But we also then looked at how we manage the economy nationally, public ownership as an essential part of that, but how we manage it nationally as well is to ensure that we redistribute wealth on a scale not seen before. And we, and we do that through our taxation system, and also to ensure that people are paid proper wages and their incomes are protected and, and those people who are not in work uh, have the benefits and pensions that they need to support them to have a decent quality of life. All of that was about developing a, a socialist economy, but under democratic control at every level, whether it be the firm, the, the regional, the national, uh, the national level themselves. There's elements in the... Um, in the chat about um, how our economy works at the moment, we, we would transform its operation. And you can see actually why I suppose that the Tories were terrified of the 2017 and 2019 manifestos, because what it did is basically say that we're gonna harness the whole of our economy now, not in the interests of creating wealth for corporations or, or the rich, but to tackle the real problems that people face. Yeah, we would grow the economy to make sure that we had a productive economy. It, it, it wasn't about growth for growth state. It was growth of a green economy so that we could then use it to tackle the next existential threat, which is climate change. All of that was contained in programme after programme worked up by the Labour team at that 
point in time and it was genuinely transformative and it was <laughs> there's a big discussion in the chat about um you know it's not about taxing the rich it's making sure they pay their taxes well yeah it is about tackling tax evasion and tax avoidance but it's also about tackling money laundering that's on a we've become virtually the london's become the capital city of money laundering in the in the on the globe for that it's also about yeah recognizing actually that when you need when you need resources in a in a crisis as we did during covid and as we will now to tackle climate change you shouldn't be restricted by traditional methods and of course what we saw during covid is um, the creation of, of resources the creation of money by the state to enable it to deal with with that crisis well that's exactly what we'll need for the, for the future the issue I was trying to point out earlier, though, is the way our economy operates at the moment, particularly the government is operating at the moment. It's relying upon selling in the bond market bonds that actually now the rest of the um, international finance system is almost running away from or charging such a heavy price. So I think what we'll see soon is well, I don't usually predict this, but actually I do think we may well see sooner rather than later quite a significant crisis in the uh, economic standing of, of this government and that although they're trying to engineer a boom almost like a pre-election boom I don't think that one they've got time to bed that in to have its political effect before the next general election but in addition to that I think everyone can see through that and even the international markets now can see that which I think will bring this government into crisis sooner rather than later what we've got to do is if that opportunity arises that this government's credibility is shattered across the piece we've got to have a credible alternative available and that does mean having a socialist alternative available which demonstrates that a democratically managed economy is what we're aiming for and one that's based upon well what socialism is the creation of equality through democracy and that's the sort of economy socialist economy that we should be now arguing for both within our the labor party our trade union movement and across progressive organizations right the way across our society thank you john um absolutely we need socialist solutions to to this okay so um i just want to thank our um panel to tonight thank you so much for your um contributions. Um, it's been really interesting to hear um, you lay out everything um, about what, what's happened. I know people will still be trying to um, make sense of, of what's happened with the mini budget today. So thank you for helping with that. Um, I want to thank everybody for um, participating. I'd like to thank our um, volunteer team, Ben, Patrick, um, Thank you so much for that. Obviously, there are lots of links in the chat. Please look at those before we close the call. Um, I think it's really important that we build the massive movements that will resist and defeat the whole rotten Tory ruling class offensive on our health, rights, jobs and livelihoods. And, you know, to help 
win the urgent action we need to tackle the crisis we need sessions like this so please donate if you can please also follow our media partner labour outlook support the workers can't wait petition as well as the people's assembly and enough is enough networks we look forward to you all joining the um, arise conference in December um, and I'll leave you with this we must build the resistance to the Tories and spread socialist solutions as, as our panellists have said tonight so let's do that together solidarity <laughs>